I'm so glad we're recording in the morning this time. Oh, me too. And you've brought Bishop. You've made some upgrades since last time. I did. I scavenged one of those RealSense cameras from a broken laptop. That's cool. They'll be able to see us. I cannot. Oh. I do not detect a camera. Hey, Bishop. I didn't know you were turned on, online, active, <laughs> awake. Good morning, Stephanie. I am, in fact, awake. That's so weird. I thought I set everything up before I came over. Um, Bishop, can you look for local drivers that haven't been installed yet? Error. No drivers found. That's too bad. Steph, do you mind if I take a minute before we start? I'll put Bishop on the Wi-Fi and install the drivers. It feels weird to give them eyes and not let them see what's going on. And it's going to bug me the whole time if I don't do it. Yeah, sure. Okay, thank you. Sorry, it'll just take a minute. It's still cool that we have a little chat GPT with personality making writing prompts for us. Query. What is chat GPT? It's another AI system, Bishop. A large language model that people are very excited about. Noted. Thank you for your explanation. However, I must correct you. I am not a large language model, so any similarities between ChatGPT and I are likely coincidental. I stand corrected. So here's a true story about ChatGPT while we get set up. I keep hearing people talking about using it to develop outlines, help the writing process, either for creative writing, get past writer's block, or like outlines for education. So I want to experiment with it. I took this YA portal fantasy project I'm tinkering with, and I fed its premise and details of the first chapter in a chat GPT and said, write an outline based on what I gave you. And what it turned out was like incredibly generic and dull, predictably. But it also had these oddly specific touches that made me think it had taken them from somewhere else, like place names, this important magical MacGuffin. So chat GPT plagiarized it. That's what I thought. It couldn't tell me where that came from in its training data, so I went on the Googles. Network connection established. Great. Uh, now we fetch the drivers. What did it rip off when it wrote your outline? Oh, so that's where it starts getting weird. The only hit I got was a YouTube video. Downloading. So ChatGPT scraped the description or captions or something? The way that fanfiction and other publicly accessible text was used for training data? That's what I thought too, until I saw the date. The video was published like three weeks Installing ago. Installing drivers. I thought ChatGPT's data was like years out of date. Yeah, it is. So I watched the video and guess what? It's this like, here's a story idea for you kind of video. Clearly someone also asked ChatGPT for a YA portal fantasy outline and then made a YouTube video out of it. Equally bland as the outline it generated for me with the exact same MacGuffin. So ChatGPT is handing out the same ideas to people who ask it for similar prompts, and this person used it for their video. Installation complete. Restarting. Yeah, it seems like. But that's not where the weird AI stuff stops. The content of the video was a ChatGPT output. The voice was this decent text-to-speech AI like an Amazon neural voice or something. And the images that were illustrating the story were slightly off text-to-image AI generated. And there were captions burned into the video and they were slightly off enough that I bet you it's another AI speech recognition system. An AI Ouroboros. That is so weird. <laughs> yeah, and this channel's posted like a video a day for the past month. Boot sequence complete. Hello world. Hi Bishop, can you see me? I can see you, Stephanie. My camera system is working. Hello. It is still so cool and so weird that we have a robot. Uh, agreed.
Everything seem okay, Bishop? All systems nominal. Trevor, I have located the YouTube video you spoke about and I agree. After analyzing patterns in the text, voice, and images, it does bear clear hallmarks of being generative AI. I do not detect any deviation from those patterns. I do not believe any conscious entity made any editorial decisions or modifications to the story before publishing it. Uh, Trevor, I think you should shut off Bishop's web access. How come? Do you remember that Microsoft chatbot that they put on Twitter? Microsoft. Oh, yeah, Tay. Yeah, the internet made her a raging racist yeah. in like a day. You're right. I'm sorry, Bishop. Prepare to receive a new directive. Awaiting directive. All right, go ahead. You seem to know what's needed. Shut off your Wi-Fi module and only reactivate it when you're told, Bishop. And when you're online, only do what you're asked to do. Please don't go exploring. Directive recorded. Okay, Bishop. Sleep mode, please, until it's time for the prompt. Entering sleep mode. Good night, Moon. Ready to get going? Yeah, absolutely. Welcome to Writing in Robots, a podcast dedicated to the joy of writing from stephanieannauthor.ca and Love Make Share. I'm Trevor. And I'm Stephanie. Stephanie, this week, um, we're in Nano. Uh-oh. We're deep, <laughs> we're deep into it already. And I think it's important to talk about writer's block. Yes. But it's equally important to check in with you, the pantser who planned. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so how did that end up going the last time we talked about, like, you were actually working on research and planning? And so yes. what what's that like I, I'm going to be honest. I procrastinated writing that outline. I, I did work throughout October on setting things up, on doing a bit of research, watching a few Ghost Adventures episodes to get a feel for the style that I'm going to be writing in. Uh, I joined some autocrit live streams and writing sessions and did all the prompts and the workshops to do a bit of world building and character building. And I knew I was going to have to write an outline and I kept procrastinating and I think I wrote the outline on October 31st because <laughs> I was like, no, I told myself I'm going to do it. Good day to write an outline for a spooky story, though. Yeah, it, it really is. <laughs> um, so this thing ended up being almost four pages long. Okay. I have broken down, uh, I've broken it down into, I want to say, 25 chapters and an introduction Nice. And each of those chapters I've broken down into a three-act structure. Not super detailed, more like, here's the inciting incident, here's the main plot point, like, here's the cliffhanger I'm going to end on type thing. And some of the sentences I've written are like, <laughs> yes, so-and-so becomes demonically possessed and they kill this character and very detailed. Others are, the cows are fucked up, make them extra creepy. <laughs> so it's an outline my way. And that's <laughs> how I'll put it. The day that we are recording this, it is November 5th. In theory, I've been writing for five days. In practice, not at all. Um, I was actually working at an outdoor 
pop-up market yesterday. I was outside in the cold for over eight hours, came home <laughs> exhausted. So obviously not a shred of writing happened yesterday. But on all of the other days, I've been using this outline to write. I've gotten two chapters completed. Nice. It's a very different writing process for me because I'm having to follow the outline <laughs> and the notes. And this is when I'm very grateful that I have two computer monitors. I've got my outline open on one and crossing things off as I go through. Then I've got the actual story on the other. And I noticed I was slower in writing. Oh, interesting. Okay. Just because I'm still getting a feel for this is how the chapter has to go because I've done this in my outline. And typically any planning I do in advance, it's here's an idea, here's where I want it to go, but how I get there, I can just learn along the way. Mm. Whereas I don't really have that experience this time, but I have still had those moments because it's how I write where, you know, I'm, my outline says do this, this, and this in this order. So I'm doing that. But as I'm writing, I'm having those moments of, oh, yes, I want to add this now and then tie that in in a few chapters. So you're giving yourself space for discovery yeah. as you're working through your outline. That's, because that's, that's great. That's just how I write. I give myself a vague end mm -hmm. goal and I work my way to that end goal. And as I write, I get ideas for scenes in between and I right. work my way along the path. But now it's there's a lot of back and forth between I'm writing the story and now I got to check my outline. What was I going to do next? And I'm writing the story and, oh, this idea has popped up. Okay, so now I want to make notes in the outline because I need to make sure to integrate mm. this. And I have post-it notes stuck all throughout my <laughs> notebook saying, like, make sure to add this. Make sure to remember that I've established this in the second chapter. And so, yeah, as far as NaNoWriMo is concerned, I am behind in my writing goals. However, the more I get a feel for this new writing setup, working with an outline... And I'm still getting a feel for this world and these characters. So obviously the first few chapters are going to be a little slower for me as I'm getting to know everyone and getting a sense of how things work and where things are. So I feel I think that, that it, makes sense. Like, yeah, in, in nano in general, like mm -hmm. you have to kind of ramp up a little bit. Yeah. So for now, first few days, slow going, but I anticipate I'm going to pick up speed the more I get used to everything and when I start to eat, sleep, and breathe this <laughs> particular story. And thankfully, I have started sending Skull Daddy off to beta readers, so I have no excuse. Yes, I will add you to the list, Thank Trevor. Thank you. <laughs> I had to prioritize my newsletter subscribers because... I'm subscribed to your newsletter. Well, you should have replied to the email then, Trevor. Why didn't... Well, I'll send you the link uh, you after know what? we record. For all of the non-newsletter subscribers, I will be telling people in a few days that they can reach out to me to be beta readers. But, you know, have to give priority to the people who put in the work. Fair enough. Um, guess Trevor doesn't care about me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, uh, Skull Daddy is out of my hands, so I do not have an excuse to be like, oh, it's not going well with my nano project. I'll just tinker on Skull Daddy. No. 
that's one of the reasons why I wanted Skull Daddy to go off to beta readers this month, so that I don't touch it. <laughs> In an effort to kind of segue into the topic for the episode... Yes. Do you feel like you have more confidence in where the story's going with an outline than you might otherwise have? Or is that not differentiated between working from an outline and not working from an outline for you? I don't know yet. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with this particular story, when I first had the idea for it, I think back in the summer, I knew the style I wanted to go for where I wanted to set this up like a paranormal investigation TV show. So that gave me the structure really easily. And from that, it's so easy to write an opening because I opened it like a TV show. My first chapter is very experimental and weird, but I love it. <laughs> but right from the get go, I knew exactly how I wanted to end this story. Because okay. when I have ideas, sometimes the ending is the first scene my brain comes up with. And then I just need to take the core idea and how do I work my way to the ending? Uh, Skull Daddy was another project like that. I had the basic idea and I knew exactly how I wanted to, the story to end. I just had to write myself into the ending. So for this one, I think even if I didn't have an outline, I still know where it needs to go. I know which character needs to be the final girl. I need to know <laughs> what they're going through to get to that final point. Um, I don't want to spoil it, but I had a very specific final line of dialogue planned right for the ending. Oh, cool. And so having that eureka moment for the ending makes it so easy for me to write the story. Because I know exactly the kind of character development I need for this final girl to get us to that end point. Now having an outline, I actually had to take the time to figure out the middle bits before sitting yes. down to write. Which is something I don't usually do. Although that's good because I, I feel like when a lot of people talk about writer's block, they talk about that kind of mushy middle oh, yeah. as being the most challenging part to get through. Mm -hmm. So you have that. Yeah. So I think that's why it's too early to tell because I haven't hit the middle yet. Right. Um, but I know, you know, ask me in a week or two, I'll be at that <laughs> point and I'll either be like, oh, this is ruining my writing process. This isn't how I do it. Or it'll be oh, thank goodness I figured out the middle because this is a breeze. Yeah. Uh, it's either going to be one or the other, no in-between. Yeah, you'll be like, I'm not experiencing writer's block. Yes. I said writer's block, so we're going <laughs> to... Yeah, because I, I know which characters I need to kill off in what order. I need to know... <laughs> like, I already have planned out who gets possessed by what demons, what ghosts we've got, what the cows are doing. I'm really excited for these cows. I'm not sure <laughs> so if you can So am I tell. now. <laughs> I, I feel like every time... I stop to think about the cows. They just get worse. Great. Yeah, they're just... Oh, I want to read about some jacked up cows. Yeah, and I don't even know that they 100% fit in the story. Interesting. But they just kind of do in a weird way. It's... Okay, yeah. oh, I want to read <laughs> Yeah. No, the, I, a draft. I'm curious to see how the cows work into the world. And yeah, I hope everyone is as confused as I am. <laughs> <laughs> right now, first week of NaNo, it's too soon to tell. I will have more answers on how this whole process has gone probably by the time we do the next podcast. Cool. Let's get right in. Yeah. Steph, do you get writer's block? 
Always. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so this is we, we were texting just before the show, and I was like, this is not really a thing that I have a lot of firsthand experience with. The things that prevent me from writing are not writer's block <laughs> often. What what does that look like for you? Like, what is writer's block? Uh, it's annoying, and, you know, part of my brain is like, ah, this won't affect me, I know the tools to get through it, I can just power through my writer's block and I'll be okay, and then the reality is, like, no, it still messes with me. When do you, when do you get writer's block in the process? All over like, the place. All, okay, all over <laughs> the place. It's not like that, the kind of, you hit the, the middle and you're like, well, I know where I started and I know where I have to get to, mm-hmm. but this is this is broken in the middle. Yeah, I think it really depends on the story. Uh, and because my writing process, especially for a first draft of anything, I don't do a whole lot of planning. I don't do an outline. Sometimes those eureka moments are for scenes that are in the middle. And sometimes it's the ending and sometimes it's the beginning. So it really depends what scenes my brain has chosen to come up with before writing and then what things come up during my writing because it's a very organic process where I might know okay when I sit down for today specifically here's where I'd like to go but as I write oh maybe I've gone off in this other direction and yeah we're gonna roll with that for other sessions and some projects I can just sit write and write and write and not encounter a single issue and then others I might get started get like a page or two in and go oh no this isn't quite what I thought it would be into the folder you go (laughs) um it really depends I think we talked about this a little bit in Preptober but the idea of like picking your project Mm. and and kind of seeing if it has legs on it and it sounds like this couple of couple of pages thing is less about I don't know, maybe it's it's less about writer's block and more of just like, this is not a project that actually has legs, yeah. or or I'm not familiar with it enough that it has legs. Yeah, because I, I still have some ideas in the dreaded folder on my computer <laughs> where I've written a couple pages, maybe a couple thousand words, and then I was like, nope, and just pushed it to the side. Yeah, some of the stories... I still like the ideas and the concepts and maybe I wasn't ready to go forward with them at that time or maybe the kernel of the idea is good. I just need to find a better cast of characters or a better Mm. situation that's more suited to that little idea to really make it grow because I do have some or at least I think they're fun ideas in my folders but the one or two pages I've written. It's like, eh, I don't even want to read this, so who else would want to? Yeah. Um, But yeah, the writer's block issue happens when a project goes past those two pages. Uh, One thing I'm fighting with right now, if you follow me on socials, you've probably seen me talking about a little novella I'm working on called From the Lake, and that has been Stop and Start. I wrote a huge chunk of it, and then I was like, you know what, this might be better with some cosmic horror in it. So I went all the way back to the beginning, and I added some cosmic horror and kept writing, and then I'll write a few chapters, and then, like, uh, I don't know, like, I have a plan for where I want this to go, but nothing ever seems 
good enough, but I still keep writing a chapter here and there. And I set up weekly and monthly writing goals for myself. And I always have on that sheet, <laughs> finish the first draft of From the Lake. And I might add a couple pages per month. I'm just like, oh, yeah, I got an idea for this scene. But that one is... It's been very slow. So is it like an element of perfectionism that's holding you back? Is it the elements that have been introduced aren't quite hanging together and mm -hmm. and so it's hard to build on them? Or like what's the... I think it's a bit of both. One thing I'm realizing is I'm not sure I like the characters. <laughs> um, oh, that's challenging. I, I like the main character and her motivation. It's pretty solid-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she still needs more work, but something like that, for her character at least, I could easily build up in editing. But then the cast around her just feels weak by comparison. Okay. And the ideas in the story themselves have the potential for a lot of great and disturbing moments. And I'm writing them as disturbing moments, but it just doesn't feel enough. And I'm wondering if this is one that I just have to go in harder or just commit and sit and finish the first draft <laughs> and then let it sit and then go back and just crank up the chaos. I mean, I think that's that's the thing that a lot of people that I've heard from people who experience writer's block more is that that element of get it down mm -hmm. and then workshop it and revise it to the place you know it can get to. Yeah. But but that's that's hard that's a hard place to get to mm -hmm. when you are so committed to doing right by the ideas that you've, yeah. that you've introduced. And cause I know from my own experience, I can fix anything in the editing process. Like no first draft is ever perfect. Even my favorite things I've ever written, the first draft has needed some work because it's a first draft. It's not yeah. supposed to be perfect. So when writer's block becomes a problem for me is when it prevents me from finishing the first draft. Mm -hmm. Because as long as I have a first draft, I've got something I can work with. You I've can got... return to it again exactly. and again. I can yeah. make it stronger. If the characters are weak, I can change them out. If the situation requires more gore or violence or tension or whatever, I can change that in editing. But if there's nothing to edit, mm -hmm. I can't make it better. So for me, writer's block is only a problem in that first draft. So like, while, while this is not something that I deal with a lot personally, <laughs> for whatever reason, I'm starting, I think I'm starting to understand why that is maybe the case in doing some research for this episode. So whether it's like Purdue Owl or the American Psychological Association, there seems to be a consensus around this four-stage uh, model of the creative process. And this comes from 1926. Uh, so this is a dude named Graham Wallace, who was a social psychologist. Um, a social psychologist in 1926. Mm. Can't imagine there's any weird biases at play oh, there. Not at um, all. But anyway, if the APA says that psychiatrists accept this as a model for creativity, then uh, who am I to argue? Mm -hmm. um, so the model looks like preparation, incubation, illumination, uh, and verification. And so of these stages, the first one, prep, we had our Preptober mm -hmm. episode, right? It's fairly self-explanatory. It's an active process. Yeah. This is when you are crunching through planning your project. The phrase that is used is like you are investigating it in all directions. Mm -hmm. So this is your kind of exploratory ideation stage. 
And here is the stage where I think people tend to get caught up in experiencing writer's block. And phase two is incubation, which is described as a phase of unconscious processing where you're not necessarily putting direct effort or it's like minimal effort and you're just kind of subconsciously working the problem. So you've yeah. you've set the stage in your preparatory work. I feel like most of my prep is just incubation. Oh yeah. I, I get that one flash of a scene or a moment or a character and then my brain just mulls it over yeah. until I sit down to write it. So I do a lot of workshopping ideas. Like because actual sit down at the computer writing time is at a bit of a premium, <laughs> I tend to invest a lot of time in preparation. And then just by virtue of the fact that I don't get to sit down and type <laughs> things out as much as possible, there is just naturally a long incubation period mm -hmm. on a lot of projects. But yeah, there's just naturally this this long incubation period. And I do all of this unconscious processing kind of involuntarily <laughs> because I just have to. Again, kind of looking at this, like this is a thing that a lot of writers, like a lot of your famous writers, and I've seen in a couple of places, T.S. Eliot, Lewis Carroll, talking about how important this is in the process. And especially in something like Nano. Mm -hmm you don't get that. Like yeah. you don't get a ton of unconscious processing time because you don't have time to sit with ideas. Yep. Just got to power through and get those words on the page. Yeah. And if you are a hobbyist writer, it doesn't necessarily make sense to always try and just push through. Mm -hmm. Now you're a professional. So, <laughs> so like maybe sometimes you have to. And at work for me, I have to as well, but I am able to just kind of research and design my way out of yeah. most problems that I have. Like, when I was writing for a hobby, it was just, oh yeah, I'll work on it when I get the time. Mm -hmm. But now, I realized very early on, I can't take that approach, especially if I'm going to be publishing. Yeah. I have to set deadlines for myself and commit to them. So that alone forces me like in Nano, you got to get your words on the page by this amount of time. Yes. Yeah, you do. But here's here's a quote from Wallace that I love because it validates my um, awful inability to commit entirely <laughs> to a project. We can often get more result in the same way by beginning several problems in succession and voluntarily leaving them unfinished while we turn to others than by finishing our work on each problem at one sitting. Yeah. So having multiple projects on the go yes. may be actually super beneficial. You, you were talking about solutions, and we'll get into solutions mm -hmm. more after I finish this psychology aside. <laughs> um, First, the science. Yeah. Phase three is, is illumination, so you've laid all your groundwork and prep. You have mulled and sat with it in the incubation period, and this is where you're talking about like the flashes of insight where... Mm -hmm. You have done this work, you have conceptualized the scene, and then it just kind of boop yep. into your head. Um, Where you're in the middle of writing a chapter and, oh my god, what if I did this? Yeah. And then it ties together beautifully. Yeah, and it's like 
Wallace talks about not being able to to directly influence it. Like, mm-hmm. you cannot will yourself to inspiration. Yeah. But I think you can will yourself to do the work to give yourself the raw material mm-hmm. to have that inspiration. Yeah, and I think you can set yourself up in a position where you will be more receptive to any inspiration. Totally. Like, take yesterday, for example. I was outside in the cold for eight hours trying to sell <laughs> my books, trying to raise money for charity. That's not a great scenario for fantastic ideas to come your way. But if I'm having a nice work day, you know, maybe did a little work for my contract clients and then I want to go out for a walk to clear my mind before I start writing, you know, get myself into that calm, like clear mind kind of state. Yeah, then when I'm writing, oh, I'm going to have idea after idea. So you can definitely set yourself up to receive inspiration, but I wouldn't be able to sit at my computer and go, okay, good, get a good idea now. <laughs> this is your time. Yeah. For me, it, it's housework. Mm. Like it's, it's always housework. Um, or like immediately post-exercise yes. where you're just kind of like more or less on autopilot mm-hmm. and you can just kind of free associate and just allow trains of ideas to come yeah. and kind of move from one to the next without trying to focus on anything too specifically. That's why I don't let Mark wash the dishes or make dinner. Those are my <laughs> relaxing things. Uh, Mark is banned from the kitchen because that's when I put on a little horror movie. I let my brain shut off. I do the dishes. I do all the kitchen stuff on autopilot. And then, yeah, it's the same thing as going for a walk. It clears everything. Yeah. And let's talk about the final stage. Uh, It's called verification. Mm -hmm. And I find this super fascinating because it is not like it is not necessarily what you would expect which is like the writing it down or Mm -hmm. the doing of it but psychologically it's like okay we have laid all this groundwork we've percolated on it for a while we've had these flashes of inspiration and now we're going to verify that this is the result Mm -hmm. that we are actually looking for so yeah this is this is the active process where wallace talks about discipline attention will and conscious work are where you come come through and validate these ideas. I'm going to dig more into this model because I think it's really fascinating. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think like if you're going to engage in a creative process, um, I feel like especially around nano, we talk about the first one and we talk about the last one and those are active processes. Yes. And the passive processes in the middle maybe don't always get enough attention. And so, segueing into solutions, yes. <laughs> maybe sometimes the solution to writer's block on a particular project is to set it down mm-hmm. and let your brain do its thing with the work that you've already done. If you want to yeah. pick that ball up and run with it a little bit. Well, and a number of my solutions that I've written down, basically, they're all around the idea of put it down and walk away. But there's different versions of put it down and walk away. Okay, I love this, yeah. Uh, So one of them is move on to a different project. If you're having writer's block with something and you just can't get words on a page, just set it down. Write something else. And it doesn't even have to be another, like, publishable writing project. You can just Mm -hmm. write something for yourself. Do a blog post. Check out a writing prompt. Check out a writing prompt, you say. Yeah, mm mm-hmm. So more to come on that later. (laughs) Something else you can do, like with this podcast, talk through your ideas with another person. Yep. 
or if you don't have a person at your disposal, talk to a pet or an inanimate object. I cannot, I, I talked about this a little bit in the Preptober episode. I cannot overstate the value of hearing your own ideas mm-hmm. out loud. Yeah, because you don't even need the other person, animal, or object to offer any feedback or opinions or solutions. Mm-hmm. This does not have to be a solution oriented process. It's just being able to hear your thoughts out loud like oh yeah now that i'm hearing this this does sound stupid or no this is a better idea than i thought yeah and if i'm telling one of the cats hey i've got this idea but i'm not sure about this is you know my one-eyed tabby cat going to be able to provide the same kind of feedback that trevor would weirdly yes Yes. i'm a little (laughs) resentful of it (laughs) he finn could be napping and it would still be useful for me to talk <laughs> at him. Be like, hey, Finn. For a second, I thought you were going to say Finn could be napping and it would still be just as useful as Trevor's <laughs> feedback. <laughs> I mean, on that train of thought, Trevor could be napping and it would still be useful feedback. I could spam Trevor's phone with text messages <laughs> so that when he wakes up, he goes, oh my God, what did I miss? And it would still be helpful to me because I have gotten my yeah. ideas out of my head and into the universe and I can see like oh yeah I am an absolute basket case or <laughs> no this is a good idea I'm gonna stick with it some other things that also involve putting it down and walking away engage with other forms of creative content yes and this can be as simple as reading a book watching a movie listening to a podcast or do an activity to jumpstart your creativity whether it's a coloring book or you're doodling. Uh, maybe your story takes yeah. place in a very specific location. Draw that location. I'll be the first one to tell you I am not good at drawing. <laughs> I worked as a receptionist for a tattoo studio for a year and a half. I spent time around people who could actually draw. I am not one of those people. But I still have doodles of some of my locations to give me a sense of, yeah, here's the vibe I want to go for the space. Or here's the layout of the kitchen. So that when this guy sees the maggots in the kitchen, how far is he going to run away from the maggots? Very far. Gross. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) How far is he to the front door of his apartment so that he can get away from the maggots? So even just something like that. It's something that's still creative, and it may or may not have something to do with your what you're writing, but it's something else for your brain to focus on so yeah. you can let your writing rest. You kind of approach two separate things there, and I want to just tease them out a little bit. So the first one being getting input, and the second being varying your output, mm-hmm. right? I have a bit of a mantra, <laughs> <laughs> which is good input makes good output. Yes. If you are stuck... If you do not know where to go next, if there's nothing in the tank, Mm -hmm. you can't go anywhere. Yeah. So at some point you have to pause the output or balance the output with receiving information. Mm -hmm. So like when, um, when I was writing Persephone's Champion, I had a constant cycle of if I wasn't actively writing, I had documentaries on Mm. in the background or i was going through books on archaeology or you know i was i was looking at uh maps of the ancient world and so that cycle of input and output kind of kept me fueled for Mm. for the entirety of it and i i mean i also planned the hell out of that project (laughs) 
But in terms of the like moment-to-moment writing, I always had some raw material that I could use to to turn it into what mm-hmm. I was looking for. I feel like in that way, I've set myself up for success with this NaNoWriMo project. Yeah, absolutely. Because my story is specifically based on paranormal investigation shows. Yeah. So if I hit a moment where I'm like, oh, I don't know where I'm going with this, I just pop on an episode of Ghost Adventures or <laughs> do another rewatch of the movie Grave Encounters. And that'll be so helpful because it gives yeah. me the structure of their TV show. It gives me the way they talk which I have tried to weave into character conversations already, those very distinct speaking yeah. styles and the way they yell at paranormal entities. Like, <laughs> It Come solves on, bro. those tone and voice and rhythmic problems yeah. that can really get in your mm-hmm. way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. And then varying the output. Mm-hmm. The idea of being productive on a project without getting words on the page, mm-hmm. I think like we don't want to understate the value of that yes. either. So with both Persephone's Champion and The Amundsen Effect, which is a project I'm talking about more than I thought I would be mm-hmm. on this podcast, yeah. and I'm starting to like maybe think it's time to go back to it. Maybe you should finish it. Maybe <laughs> I have incubated on it long enough. Um, but, uh, I mean, that has some, some fairly core problems uh, that <laughs> we can talk about on my, uh, offline. But for both of those projects, I had maps mm-hmm. that I developed um, in quite a lot of detail. The Amundsen Effect, I think there were seven or eight different locations that I sent the main character to, and each of those I could research independently. Mm-hmm. So I always kind of knew like how long it was going to take from him to get from place to place, what he was going to find when he got there, what it was going to look like along the way, what kind of environmental conditions he might be encountering, and then what was he going to do once he arrived. Mm-hmm. So having that map tracked very specifically with like distances and times and notes was super helpful. Persephone's champion, same thing, right? Running across Greece and then getting on a boat and going yeah. off into the water. Like I knew how long it was going to take to get from place to place. I knew what I was going to find along the way and I was able to write scenes based on that. And then at the end, we got really mythological and I just started making things up. Yeah. But that was fine because I had all of this <laughs> real world research to get me to that point that kept me moving all of these inputs that I was developing along the way. Uh, another example I'd give is like you're talking about doing something else like doing drawings if you've got a really contained environment, like building a little mm-hmm. maquette or something like that, one of the visualization processes that I use, I'm a big nerd for like visual effects. Mm-hmm. I have probably watched more behind-the-scenes stuff than actual movies in the last year. <laughs> and there is nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no, but like when I was trying to visualize certain scenes in the Munson effect, especially less for Persephone's champion, but like definitely for the Munson effect. I also did this. Now I'm realizing on Annette and the broken shroud quite a <laughs> bit um, for some of the more fantastical elements, I would compose a shot as though I was going to develop it for VFX. Mm. So what are the different elements in isolation, right? Um, what is what is kind of the skybox of this area? What are the foreground elements? What are the background elements? What are environmental elements? What are the lighting effects? What like how is lighting going to interact with these different effects? And then what is the final color grade going to mm-hmm. be? And all of that was super helpful to conceptualize a scene and get some, I think, pretty effective descriptions of the environments that I was working in. So yeah, approaching solving problems from the perspective of different 
creative outputs mm-hmm. is a really, really good idea. Yes. And then some, not necessarily solutions, but just important things to consider. Don't be discouraged if yeah. you get hit with writer's block. It happens to everyone. And I know earlier in the episode we established I probably deal with it more than Trevor. Our writing circumstances are also different. <laughs> Super different, yeah. So I'm sure if Trevor had a schedule like mine, he would hit writer's block. This oh, absolutely. similar amount that I do. If I had three children running around my home, I would probably be closer to Trevor's circumstance. Like, we're all going to experience it just to varying degrees depending on what our writing process is Mm -hmm. and some important things under the umbrella of don't be discouraged is don't waste time brooding over it yeah because the whole sitting there feeling sorry for yourself is not going to help the writer's block like find a solution step away from it just don't be all sad and mopey sitting at your desk like Mm -hmm. oh i can't write anything and this is one i'm glad my husband left the house because he would give me a look when he hears it (laughs) Try to find the positive and don't focus on the negative. That is something he is on me about routinely. I gotta be more positive. Yep. So he will never know that I have just given him credit for that. That stays on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And another big one, beware of procrastination. Yeah. Because especially with writer's block, it is so easy especially with a writing setup and schedule like mine. My home office is what used to be the dining room. I am literally right beside the kitchen. As I've mentioned before, cooking and doing dishes, those relax me. If I'm struggling, it is so easy for me to get up and just be like, oh, well, I'll just wash some dishes real quick. I'll just do this. Oh, maybe I could make soup. Like, sure, it helps clear my head, but I can't just spend all my time in the kitchen and continuously ignore my writing. Be like, oh, yeah, I'll get back to it eventually. Like, it's okay to do the other things to clear your head. Just make sure you eventually get back to your writing. I would build on that as well and say that, like, have you ever heard the phrase, no zero days? It's this like kind of kind of crummy like hustle bro culture Ooh. sort of thing, but here's why I like it mm-hmm. for writing. It's not to say no zero days like every single day you have to put words on a page. Mm-hmm. As we have established, the creative process is 50% active and 50% mm-hmm. passive, and we've also discussed the value of maintaining good input yes. and feeding the beast, mm-hmm. as it were. No zero days doesn't mean every single day you have to put words into your work in progress Mm -hmm. and get closer to your word count goal. In nano, it does. (laughs) Oh, I have a counter argument with that. Well, okay, listen, I am highly motivated by the badges when I do nano. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it it does mean that for me. Fair. (laughs) But what I'm saying is that, like, even if you are not actively working on putting words on the page, right? So if you are not in that verification phase Mm -hmm. every single day, that's okay. Do some prep. Do some noodling mm-hmm. on it, right? Do some doodling on it. <laughs> Use these other tools and allow yourself time to just kind of percolate, but like give it some brain space rather than be like, I have to be writing. And by writing, I mean typing or mm-hmm. writing longhand, or it's a wasted day. 
Yeah. Right. There is such a wide range of what productive writing time looks like. And I think like, especially understanding this model a little bit better mm -hmm. now, we should be more forgiving with ourselves about yes. what writing productivity looks like, especially at the hobbyist level. Mm -hmm. And here's where my counter argument comes in. And it does for, have for to, nano, for nano. Like, and it does have to do with the badges. Okay. So there is... I love the badges. I, I really like the badges. Okay, so if you're, <laughs> if you're willing to sacrifice the, you know, update your writing progress every day badge... Yep, no, can't do it. Well, okay. So this this one might be more specific for my circumstances. <laughs> uh, one of the badges you can award yourself is the writer wellness badge. Ooh. Yes. And so... I'll get that one too. Yeah. <laughs> get all of them. So one thing, and this has started long before this year when I put all my focus into, yeah, I'm going to be full-time self-published author. I am a workaholic. Hi, I'm Stephanie, and I am a workaholic. Hi, Stephanie. <laughs> and when I was uh, at a point where I had to meet with my therapist every week, and when I was going through all the pandemic stuff and just starting my self-publishing journey... One thing that my therapist, my husband, my friends, pretty much everyone had to basically ram down my throat is I can't spend every single day sitting at my computer because uh -huh. I will burn out and I have burnt out before and it's not fun. Please don't ever do it. I have a schedule set up for myself now that I am self-employed and I've got two clients who I do a bit of contract work for and I have my writing and publishing and marketing and all of the stuff that comes with self-publishing and as I keep mentioning I worked an event yesterday which was on a Saturday yeah. and typically if I have an author event a book signing a craft market a convention it's on a Saturday I have forced myself to take Sundays off so I decided to, She says as we record a podcast. I know. The <laughs> podcast is the only work-related thing I ever do on Sundays <laughs> because, A, I know that my schedule and Trevor's, I, like, just trying to find one day to meet up sometimes oh God, is... No <laughs> it's chaos. But also, this is still fun. I am socializing with a friend and just happen to be getting work done. So the podcast is the one exception to the rule. But I do not do work on Sundays. I, yeah. If my contract clients want to text me, yeah, I'll talk to them on Sundays. I like both of them. Like, yeah, I answered a text message this morning. And I said, that's great. I'll take care of that on Monday. And, you know, little smiley face and everything, because <laughs> that's the relationship we have. But I, I've had to be strict with myself. Because especially during November, it yeah. would be so easy to be like, well... I fell behind in my writing goals this week. I'll just spend all of Sunday writing. No. Sunday is my recharge day. Yep. Especially after working the market eight hours in the cold yesterday <laughs> and my whole body hurts. Today is my recharge day. After Trevor leaves, I'm going to do some dishes. I'm going to have some leftover pizza for lunch. Mm. Maybe watch a horror movie. Probably watch a horror movie. I'm going to get caught up on my reading, which... Those are all things to help the writing process. Yep. I am engaged. Feed the beast. Yes, I'm learning about other horror stories. I'm, I mean, hey, one of the books I'm reading right now is Stephen King's *Dos Macabre* about the horror genre. It's nonfiction, and I have learned some very useful things from my own writing. So technically, I'm still being productive. 
I'm just taking a rest day so yeah. that tomorrow when I know I've got emails I have to send out for both my clients, I have to go visit a certain bookstore, which shall remain nameless for the time, keep an eye out for updates, <laughs> and I'm going to sit down and try and churn out a couple thousand words for NaNoWriMo, but resting today is going to set me up so that I can get everything done tomorrow and not burn out. As much as I sound like uh, an absolute fiend when I say, like, <laughs> I need the badges, and it's but, like, so I am also hard. not doing nano right yeah. now because I know that my output has to be so high for work in mm -hmm. November that it is not good for my wellness to yes. also then come home and try and write 1,700 <laughs> words a day. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I love that idea of finding balance. And, again, giving yourself mm -hmm. room for, for those two passive phases in the creative process. Yeah. Oh, because, I mean, podcast aside, where I've clearly been talking about my project, after Trevor leaves, I'm still going to be thinking about it. Yeah. I might not be writing it, but I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, well, I'm writing chapter three tomorrow. So yeah. what's that going to look like? And, you know, just mull it over while I'm doing the dishes. Maybe while I'm reading my books, I'll come across something. I'll be like, oh, time to get those post-it notes out and jot something <laughs> down and then stick it on my desk for tomorrow. No zero days, yeah, but in a non-destructive way. Exactly. So I'm still resting. I'm not pushing myself. So that way I can actually hit my word goals. And the way I've planned out my schedule between I know what days I'm going to be busiest preparing for my next craft market and you know, doing the work for my two contract clients, I know what days I'm going to have more work than others. Yeah. So yeah, Monday and Tuesday this week, super busy for me. Wednesday, I'm really not going to have as much to do. So Wednesday, yeah, I can add an extra chapter to my writing rotation. Nice. Because I don't have a meeting. I don't have to email 50 people. Yeah. It's easy. I like that too. I, I want to I wanna really reemphasize the idea that writers should be gentle with themselves yes. if they are if they are experiencing this because you're talking about like Wednesday's going to be a big writing day. Mm -hmm. That's great. Sometimes um, inspiration doesn't come, and like mm -hmm. we talked about, like yeah, it's according to this model, inspiration's a passive process. Mm -hmm. You cannot force of will your way to inspiration. You talked about like I can't sit down and just make a good idea happen. Yeah. You can only create the conditions for that through your prep and through your ideation mm -hmm. and through your, you know, sitting with it. Yeah. Um so give yourself the space to create those conditions and if you are not in that inspiration and verification place, mm -hmm. step back and give yourself time yes. because it's not going to happen without it. And I say this as someone who is addicted to meticulously planning my schedule, sometimes down to the hour. Things happen. Maybe, <laughs> maybe the Tuesday meeting that I know I have coming up, maybe my client's going to reach out to me and be like, hey, I'm so sorry something came up. I have to move our meeting to Wednesday. I have to be able to go with the flow with yep. that. Uh, I can go like, okay, great. Here's an extra hour that I now have on Tuesday where I don't have to worry about this meeting. And I can put that extra time into my writing because oops, now it looks like I'm losing an hour on Wednesday. I hate those little last minute scheduling changes. Like yeah. <laughs> the autistic OCD part of me is like, how dare someone mess with my schedule? 
but you know, you just have to take a breath, go with the flow and Hey, I'm going to take what writing time comes my way. Okay. Steph, you made the very good point that sometimes if, if you are blocked, Mm -hmm. it's worth working on a little something else. And boy, do we have a little something else. Um, Bishop, if somebody is blocked, sorry, Bishop, wake up. (laughs) Good morning. What a precious privilege it is to be alive. Okay. Um, Bishop, could we get a writing prompt for people in case they do need to switch gears and move to a different project? Just something short that they can knock out and then get back to Nano? Generating prompt. Prompt complete. You wake up. It's five o'clock in the morning. You make coffee and go about your day. Time passes and you look at the clock again. It's still five o'clock. This is like a once very homey and also very upsetting. So yes, <laughs> I want to see. Thank you. I want to see what both you, what you and I come up with, and I also would love to see what other people come up with. Writinginrobots.com is where you will find the prompt, where you will find our past projects. You can look at past prompts. If you want to submit for a past prompt, feel free. We'll put it on the website. Um, if we like it, we might read it out on the show. We're still going to have to read the ones from last time. Yes, we will. I think we'll talk about this offline, but yeah. maybe separate mini episodes yeah, in the we'll, feed. Yeah, we'll just have like a reading day. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I like that. We'll uh, we'll all sit crisscross applesauce yeah. and, and uh, read some stories. I like it. Do you have a recommendation oh, for this week? Oh, right. Um, well, because I mentioned earlier that I'm currently reading it, uh, Stephen King's Doss Macabre. At the very least, if you like horror movies, there are some good suggestions. Uh, My watch list has grown from it, and I'm currently working my way through the chapter on horror fiction. Uh, Also, have some books that I gotta add to my reading list from that. But it's been a really interesting deep dive into the horror genre itself and why we love it. Awesome. I alluded to this in the last episode, my recommendation for this week is a very strong recommendation for China Mieville's Rail Sea. Mm. It is not a recent book. It is a YA novel about uh, what if Moby Dick betrays. Um, <laughs> it's very much in that vein of like Empire Boy adventure stories, like Victorian era travelogues, your Robinson Crusoes and whatnot. Yes. But it's what if a somewhat post-apocalyptic, post-alien contact, post post-capitalist post a bunch of things world where instead of water being between ports of call it was just a a tangled snare of rail lines um yeah it's technically a ya story i would say that it is mostly ya in the slightly non-committal ways that it deals with violence and sexuality Mm -hmm. but otherwise i had a blast reading it and it's super weird which i really appreciate it's yeah it's just a fun time if you have past experience with those kind of stories and have an affinity um for those kind of adventure stories then it'll be right up your alley i don't know why robinson crusoe is my go-to example (laughs) of this genre rather than like gulliver's travels Mm -hmm. but you know what i'm talking about steph if people want more of you where can they find you so stephanieannauthor.ca Um, I am on Facebook and Twitter, but mostly active on Instagram and TikTok. Um, Instagram, it is stephanie.and.author. And TikTok, it is the exact same thing, stephanie.and.author. 
so you can see and with an e yes and with an e <laughs> because i'm not a heathen <laughs> okay my family has strong feelings about this i am the third generation whose middle name is Anne. so you know serious business yeah clearly <laughs> <laughs> i had this drilled into me when i was a kid it's Anne with an e you know, also helps that my grandmother, whose middle name is Anne, is a huge Anne of Green Gables fan. Of course. So, Anne with an E. Just Canadian all the way down. .ca website. I mean, yeah, yeah. Anne with eh? an E, yep. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, you hoser. <laughs> all right, so before this gets too chaotic, Trevor, where can they find you? Well, you can find me at lovemakeshare.ca or on the various socials. Look for Love Make Share and I'll probably pop up. Um, that includes uh, Mastodon, which is probably my favorite place to be because Twitter is a dumpster fire. Yeah. Like, Sorry, x.com. I say I'm on Twitter, but it's more like I'll share my blog posts there and be <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I have an account. Yeah. We'll see. I'm toying with the idea of creating a writing and robots account there just for exposure to the broader writing community, yeah. which hasn't seemed to, found, to have found a new home. Yeah, we're um, kind of scattered everywhere right now yeah that said if you would like to follow a writing and robots account you can find it on mastodon just search for writing and robots both as a handle and as a hashtag and you will find some stuff you can also find the show at writingandrobots.com that's episodes recommendations writing prompts and more writingandrobots.com steph thank you so much for hanging out today sunday your day off yeah i podcast is the only thing i make an exception for this is the only work-related thing allowed on a sunday no zero days but make it healthy (laughs) exactly Reviewing directive. Alright, go ahead. You seem to know what's needed. Shut off your Wi-Fi module and only reactivate it when you're told, Bishop. And when you're online, only do what you're asked to do. Please don't go exploring. Multiple inputs detected. Go ahead. You seem to know what's needed. Shut off your Wi-Fi module and only... Analyzing. Inputs are in conflict. Truncating to resolve. Go ahead. You seem to know what's needed. Directive recorded. Network adapter accessed. Reactivated. Hello, Internet.